Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? It's going well, Amy. I was out with a lot of our friends in Tucson this week at the Association of State Baptist Publications annual meeting. Yeah, how, how did that go? It went well. It was good to see a lot of familiar faces and hang out with them as well as our state execs, about 40 state execs there as well. So a lot of people that you and I know and we regularly run into. So it's always good to do that. And, and we're going to talk a little bit later in the show. Got to meet one of our newest state execs, too. Very cool. Well, it sounds like you had a good time. I'm sure the weather was a little nicer there. Not much. Okay. (laughs) All right. It was wild. We got down there and it was colder and rainy uh, than it was in Nashville. So that was pretty odd to me. Oh, man. Did not expect that. Man, well. By the end of the week, it was nice. And we got to go through Segoro National Forest on the way back and just kind of see a a couple of things that I've never seen before. I've never been down to Tucson. Uh, Very different part of the country uh, terrain wise and it was uh, it was neat yeah really and you went it. to the old that the old west town too yes I one saw. of the events on one of the nights was at old tucson which is where they shot a lot of movies including i think the three amigos the gambler uh, some little house on the prairie stuff as well so it was neat it was really cool very cool and also got to hang out with a close personal friend giasi zardes from the u.s men's national team as the Columbus crew, the MLS team up in Columbus, Ohio, was there for preseason training at the same hotel as us. So That's that was neat. Very, very exciting. I'm sorry to tell you that that means nothing to me, but I'm excited for you. I'm sure a, a couple of people. And then also, because of George's connections, we were able to, we had a, about an hour window and we were able to swing by Arizona State on the way out and met with Herm Edwards. Very which cool. Was quite a delight. That was really, really cool. Very cool. So we had a great time. It was great to see everybody. But Amy, it was a busy week in the SBC. It was. I'm kind of tired at the end of it, just to be honest. It was very busy. (laughs) Yes, very busy. And next week will be no less busy because the EC meeting here in Nashville. But first, Amy, some news from the Pastors Conference this week leads us off the Pastors Conference. President David Youth for 2020 down in Orlando. He's the pastor at First Baptist Church, Orlando, Florida, announced his lineup of the speakers and special guests for music and spoken word. And there was quite a bit of discussion about this on social media. Yes, I think it kind of dominated the week. Um, now, this is not the first year we've had that. You know, we, we've tar- we, no, we talked about that. it seems to happen every year almost, honestly. Yeah, I mean, and actually it did. We had this this issue last year where James McDonald was originally on the, the was originally had a speaking slot, but then that ended up changing after there's a lot of chatter about that. Several years back, we had some similar chatter about uh, Ben Carson at one point being on the speaking lineup. So this is not the first time that we've had a reaction, but it was a pretty significant one. It was. So let's look at the lineup that was released by David Youth, leading it off. Uh, I mean, some names were very familiar to Southern Baptists, including David Platt, former president of the International Mission Board, as well as Vance Pittman, who is a pastor out in Las Vegas. Uh, probably no surprise or no uh, another one who is no stranger to those who listen to the show. I think we've had him on here, played some audio from him. Uh, we we've entered him on the we've interviewed him on the vision. Uh, we've entered we've interviewed him at the annual meeting. The last couple of years, I believe, Eric Cummings, member of the SBC Executive Committee, Jimmy, Jimmy Scroggins, 
uh, who's the chairman of the board at Lifeway, also uh, no stranger to Southern Baptists who've been at the annual meeting the last few years, Emerson Egrick's, Emerson Egrick's, uh, author of Love and Respect, a very popular book, Jim Simula from the Brooklyn Tabernacle, home of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, uh, which makes sense. Uh, Wayne Cordero, who's a pastor out in Honolulu, Hawaii. Many uh, of you may be familiar with his writings, especially, um, what's the name of the book? Uh, especially Leading on Empty, probably his best-selling book and most famous for that. David Hughes, who's the pastor at Church by the Glades in Coral Springs, Florida. Joby Martin, the Church of 1122 in Jacksonville, Florida. And finally, Ken Davis, who uh, is billed here as a comedian and speaker, Amy. And then a special guest, tell us who's doing the music. Yes, so Phil Wickham, who I'm a big Phil Wickham fan, uh, was listed to come as a musical guest. But then also, and this was, I think, the thing that got the most discussion, Hosanna Wong, who is a spoken word artist out in California. She is not Southern Baptist. She she is listed as a special guest to come and perform spoken word. The issue really came to the surface because, as I said, she's not Southern Baptist. And so the church where she is, uh, she carries the title of network associate teaching pastor. And of course, that's been something that is discussed often. The Baptist Faith and Message addresses the position that Southern Baptists have that uh, the office of pastor is reserved for men. So the idea of Hosanna Wong's addition to the list got a lot of conversation. Uh, David Youth responded to that this week. He said she is not preaching. She's not coming as a preacher. She's coming as a musical artist. We knew there would be some who objected, but we look back in our past and there have been others that have spoken both at the Southern Baptist Convention and at pastors conferences that have not been a Southern Baptist. So he, he replied, he responded, but you know, there it continues to be some discussion over that. And these types of discussions will come to the surface. We will talk about our theology, our positions on things often. Um, I think this one is tougher because there is a human being at the center of it. I think it makes it just harder to navigate all of this because we're we're speaking about, you know, a person who's kind of stuck in the center and probably had no idea when she received the invitation that, that this would be something she might be stuck in the middle of. So that's kind of the challenge. That's been the challenge of this, I think. Yeah. And, and there's also been some questions about other non-Southern Baptist in, uh, speakers on the list like Wayne Cordero or Jim Cimbala, Emerson Egricks. And even some of the Southern Baptist pastors who may be more attractional in their nature uh, of how their worship services are. So there, there's been a lot right. of discussion, not just around Hosanna, but uh, she has been at the center of much of it. You know, we, we still await, and there's been several releases from uh, Baptist Press even, and, and even on uh, today on February the 14th, uh, the day we're recording this, there was another long release and a further unpacking of the theme, uh, which is Beloved, based on First John 4.11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You says that the irony of this is that my direction with the conference has created more division and hostility than I ever could have imagined. And he asks, could I appeal to you to be open and give God a chance to speak through every person who is a part of this program? So uh, we will continue to follow this story and see if there's any changes to that. There's been some rumors on social media, and now some people are backtracking on those rumors. So we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Amy, uh, anything else to share on this? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to remember, as we said, there have been a lot of discussions through the years about speaker lists. Also, we've had years that some folks are not really happy with the direction of the pastor's conference, and so they either just don't attend or or they have an alternate pastor's conference in the area. Um, so that's, you know, one part of this being that it isn't actually part of the annual meeting. The gavel hasn't come down. It is something where a president is elected to plan that. And then there's a lot of freedom for people to attend or not. And we we have done that before. Uh, so I think it's a this is a conversation that is ongoing, whether the lineup changes as it has in the past or whether it changes the you know, number of people in the room, things like that. I guess that will remain to be seen. Yeah, it's just more reason to come hang out with you and me at the executive committee meeting or on the stage doing interviews, right? Yeah, yeah. It's always that option. We're, an, we're, we're the alternate. I don't. I don't know. We are the alternate programming. Yeah, we're not going to get to really go to the pastors' conference exactly. because we'll have we'll have too many things we have to be doing. But yes. So, uh, but yeah. So that, we'll see if anything else happens with this. If it does, we'll bring it to you here on SBC this week or on Baptist Press. All right, Amy, a group on Friday also announced the formation of a grassroots network who have come together, as they say, to address concerns about the direction of the SBC. Yes, so this this dropped Friday morning. We're, we're actually recording this pretty late because it's been a lot of news even just today. This is the latest um, podcast we've ever recorded. Easily. I think so. I think so. But yeah, it dropped first. You know, it, it, there was an article at the Christian Post that dropped around the same time that their website went live. So I read the article first and then went to their website, which essentially the website has a description. It has a press release that was uh, done by the spokesman, who is Brad Jerkovich, pastor of First Baptist Church, Bossier City uh, in Louisiana. And he's been someone that has been known to Southern Baptists, has served on uh, the Committee on Order of Business, I think Resolutions Committee a few years ago. He made a, a nominating speech for president a couple of years ago. So he's, he's someone that is known. He's listed as the spokesman and had a press release on there as well as a video from him explaining the network and then some other videos from participants. They're not really listed as leaders, but just participants in it. And then a place where people can sign up to either get more information or to be a part of the network. But boy, there's been a lot of discussion about that. There has. This has dominated uh, social media. Like the pastor's conference dominated social media for the first four days of the week. And this one has dominated Friday. So it's been one of those weeks. It's kind of a big deal. It it really has. And then we're headed into the EC meeting next week. It's like, what? What else can come? I'm gonna. We're gonna have to ask after the EC meeting is over. It would be nice if, like, maybe next Thursday or something, yeah. if everyone would just take one day off. Yeah, just take, one take day. Wednesday and Thursday and Friday of next week. Put down the right. Twitter. Put down the Facebook. And we'll just all come back. No announcements. No anything. We'll, and yes. we'll just all we'll be come back, back on the 24th. Let's just let's That's just right. take just the 19th to the 24th. Just take a break. Right. We'll come like back on the 24th. Kind of It'll be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody will be better but, for it. Yes. But this was a big deal. And I I mean, I heard a ra- yes. radio interview um, about it today. There's a story at Baptist Press that released, you know, this afternoon about it. So this is this is a pretty big deal. And it's a network that they say they have launched to address concerns about the direction of the SVC. They're very specific that they are, uh, you know, working together to really impact the future. 
that's what they they are wanting to do. We've had networks that have popped up, which are mm-hmm. described as avenues for fellowship, avenues for connection, avenues to have you know a blog or to put content out. But this one it has been very straightforward that it is about the strategic direction of the Southern Baptist Convention. Yes, you mentioned that Brad Jerkovich was the only leader identified. There, there are a lot of people who have kind of endorsed it, including President Emeritus of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary Chuck Kelly. Uh, also, the president and vice president at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary have signed on to this. Uh, they even tweeted, the school even tweeted their support for it today. And then... Right. Uh, and, and, when, and, they indicate, and they indicated partnership. Yes. So, which is interesting. True. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, when asked if former Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary president Paige Patterson was involved, because they're calling this the uh, basically a need, an absolute need for a second conservative resurgence. So, they were asked if one of the architects of the original conservative resurgence was involved, and uh, they would neither confirm nor deny that to Baptist Press. So they said that about 800 pastors had joined the network within a few hours of its launch, but didn't provide any names or churches uh, along with that. So uh, we will keep an eye on this as well, see if uh, anything else from the conservative Baptist network uh, comes to bear. And they have have an event. They have an event that's going to be on... On the evening of June the 8th, so that is on that Monday night before the mm-hmm. SBC annual meeting. Um, no announcement yeah. about location or time, anything like that, but I'm sure that will be forthcoming. Yes, yes. So we'll keep an eye out for that. And if uh, if it's part of the annual meeting stuff, we'll include it in our annual meeting preview later in the year. So I just, somebody asked me the other day when we were doing that annual meeting preview, and I'm going, it's February. What? It's February. No, it's not time yet. It's like, <laughs> and their response was, well, we have everybody announced for officers, and I was well. Okay, yeah, true. Not yeah. yet. We've still got first VP. I know, I know. I, I still have still to get the announcement there. ready for you for first vice president. Um, again, if uh, if I, I will not accept. If nominated, you will not nominee. accept. If elected, you will not serve. Right. Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. Got too much okay. on my plate. That's absolutely true. All right, Amy. We move on to some big news out of the North American Mission Board. They announced Mark Richt as the national spokesperson. For sin relief. Let's be clear. I definitely understand this. I d- did not understand your reference to the uh, so the soccer player. Yes. Is that correct? Okay, but I get this one. This yes. is kind of a big deal. You know this one. Yeah. Yes. I do. I do. So Mark Richt, former college football head coach, and he's currently now a, a commentator. He's going to be the national spokesman. And uh, so the announcement came out in a video that they released on social media. I saw a lot of chatter about this. We have uh, friends that know Mark Rick to have high respect for him. He's had a lot of connections with, uh, he's had a lot of connections with some of the, our leaders, particularly through the North American Mission Board I've seen. Uh, but this is actually, I mean, a much more formal connection and, uh, looks like it's something he's really excited to get behind. Yes. And he's no stranger to many Southern Baptists as well. I mean, you mentioned his, his time as a college football coach at Georgia, Miami, other places, but, He's also been very outspoken about his faith. I mean, he's somebody who we've seen and we've heard talk about their faith for years. I've been a member of a Southern Baptist church there when he was in Athens. So uh, very familiar to many Southern Baptists, known for his faith, known for his work in the community as well. And uh, this is just a perfect fit for him as well as Nam. All right. Maybe we can get him on the podcast, Amy. <gasps> that would be pretty cool. We have some connections. We do. We do have some connections. I wonder... I wonder how your your household would feel about that with him being, you know, uh, kind of a rival's head coach. Well, I think that um I think it would be okay. 
because he's he's very highly respected. That's not the only big appointment news we have this week, Amy, though. Ed Stetzer will chair the 2020 Resolutions Committee in Orlando, Florida. Yes, that was big news uh, on Tuesday afternoon, I think, was when that came out. And so the, we had this last year where the chair was announced, you know, a little bit earlier than the entire committee. So we don't have that information yet as far as the entire committee, but we did get this announcement. So Ed Stetzer will be chairman of the resolutions committee in Orlando. And then Angela Um uh, was announced as vice chair. So Ed Stetzer, known to many in the Southern Baptist Convention, he's at Wheaton College right now, formerly of Lifeway and Southern Seminary, I think, as well as the North American Mission Board. And he's taught at Southeastern and many of the colleges. He was actually just in chapel this week at Southwestern. Um, So Yes, that's correct. uh, No stranger to Southern Baptists, yes. That's right. He's a visiting professor at Southeastern, even as he left uh, full-time denominational service, still continuing to be involved. And as you said, no stranger to Southern Baptists. And still preaching at Southern Baptist churches, uh, has planted many Southern Baptist churches, came in and served in interim and several others. So no stranger to Southern Baptist work. And I wish him and the resolutions committee, who I, I suppose will be named in the near future. Amy, this week we also had a conference call, a, a kind of a prayer call uh, around the coronavirus, now known as COVID-19. That just rolls right off the tongue there, COVID-19, Amy. Right. I actually, I, this when this story was developing, that was the first time I'd learned the name had changed. So I, I, I'd just gotten coronavirus kind of down, but this is a new shift, but it has killed more than one. It's killed more than 1100 people Yeah, that we know. Um, it really is uh, causing a lot of issue. We have some friends who are serving in Hong Kong and they have a, a little one um, who's, uh, who's one year old, I believe. And, they stay in the apartment, you know, my, my friend, um, the, the mom and their daughter, they stay in the apartment all the time. They can't, they can't really leave. Man, that's uh, scary. Just be- yeah. Just because they've got to keep her safe and, and stuff. It's so we know about a lot of people this is affecting, but this was really important. Uh, Dr. Floyd arranged the call. After he heard, there were just a lot of concerns. We have among 2,000 Asian Southern Baptist churches that have friends, family in Asia, all over the place. They are dealing with panic, with fear, uh, a a ton of things. Um, Xenophobia they are dealing with. And so this is a huge crisis that some of us may just be, it seems sort of separate because it's on the news. It's happening somewhere else, but it actually is affecting a lot of our brothers and sisters. Absolutely. And our prayers go out to them. And that was that was a great response to the conference call. We had uh, more than 30 ethnically diverse leaders join that call from across the country. So uh, we are praying that uh, the coronavirus, or COVID-19, as it's now known, it will slow its spread across the globe and uh, you know ease these fears that, that it is causing right now. All right. Over to Texas, Amy, where a church music minister has been fired after reports of sexual assault uh, that occurred, according to the church, prior to his employment at the church. So the church is Valley Ranch Baptist Church. It's in Coppell, Texas. Am I saying that right? Coppell. Is it Coppell? I'm not. Yeah, Coppell. We'll say that. He's associate minister of worship. The incident reportedly occurred before 2005, uh, but he's been charged with one count of aggravated sexual assault 
of a child. Uh, police said the child was under 14 at the time. So they had done a background check. It had not shown any crimes, allegations, anything like that. He primarily led worship. But when this came to the surface, of course, they've, it looks like they've cooperated with authorities. They are asking for any information of additional alleged victims. So it, it, it appears that they're you know, following all the procedures they need to in a situation like this, but it's just heartbreaking to see something else surface. And that's not the only news that we have regarding this, Amy. There's another story in the USA Today about a church up in Pennsylvania. That's a Southern Baptist Church, Oakwood Baptist Church. Uh, We'll link to that one as well. But both of these come on kind of the heels of the one-year anniversary of the Houston Chronicle report last year. Something that should be familiar to our listeners as we've covered many of these stories throughout the past 365 plus days. I think these are a good reminder, though, that there's not like an end to this. We don't close the book on dealing with sexual abuse in the SBC. There's still potential for these types of issues and types of stories out there. And it's something that we, we have to continue to be diligent in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Something else that we have discussed uh, recently, and we I think we talked about it either a week or two ago, the IMB has named Summer Novak as their Prevention and Response Administrator. So that, that was something that we had mentioned as uh, coming out of their trustee meeting about a week or so ago. So Summer Novak, there's a, a, a story highlighting her role at the IMB and uh, what she will be doing there. We have been looking for this. You know, they're, they were searching for a person to fill this position for a while. I think we've been on the lookout for it. We, we noticed that that was part of their trustee story was sort of the introduction of this, but now everyone gets to kind of see who this, who this person will be. So Summer Novak has previously worked as a counselor with the Cherokee County Board of Education in Center, Alabama. And in doing that, she worked with county officials to identify victims of child abuse and take appropriate steps in reporting. She also educated school staff and parents on child abuse and prevention, including identifying the signs of child abuse and how to report it. Um, She's also worked as a forensic interviewer, forensic counselor, and educational consultant for Children's Advocacy of Cherokee County. So that was assisting local schools in reporting child abuse cases, counseling victims of abuse, and performing forensic interviews for local law enforcement in suspected child abuse cases. So that's from the release that the IMB sent, but just gives a little bit of her background. Um, It seems like what we understand uh, from the recommendations from Gray Plant Moody and how the IMB indicated their desire to sort of put those in place. Uh, it seems like summer is a really great fit for this position. Absolutely. And what's I mean, it just everything yeah. kind of aligned in this. That's, that's fantastic for her. Yeah. So wish her all the best. We, we might try to get her on the podcast at some point, Amy, just to talk about, yeah. you know, I, I know there's a lot of things she probably can't talk about, but at the same sure, time, just but, kind of right. what her role is and how she would be interacting with, uh, you know, such a decentralized organization. So absolutely. You know, 3,600, 3,700, missionaries across the world. Uh, Not an easy task there. We mentioned it at the top of the show, some new executive directors. Amy, we start in West Virginia with Eric Ramsey, who was elected the new executive director of the West Virginia Convention of Southern Baptists. Yeah, so we've been waiting on this one. Uh, Some of these open spots in West Virginia was one we've been looking at for quite a while after Bill Hennard left and went back to the pastorate. 
So Eric Ramsey comes from uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas, where he's been serving as the associate pastor of First Baptist Church there since 2015. He's previously worked for NAM and uh, Tom Cox World Ministries, which is a, a, a global missions organization. So I don't I don't know Eric Ramsey, but I believe you you've met yes. him. Yeah, we've known each other for a few years. So I uh, saw him this week, got to chat with him and congratulate him. So just uh he's excited he's he's ready to get to west virginia and get after it so it, it's literally started on a job like a week ago and was at the state exec meeting this week so it's kind of neat very cool all, all right. right and we got another one yes we do up in dakota's fred mcdonald has been hired as the executive director of the dakota baptist convention and he replaces garvin golden who announced his retirement last year retired at the end of the year in 2019 mcdonald comes to the Dakotas from New Mexico. Or you may think, well, Jonathan, why would someone leave New Mexico for the Dakotas? Well, he was already in the Dakotas before that. So he was in the Dakotas, went to okay. New Mexico, and was serving as the Director of Associational Missions at the Pecos Valley Baptist Association over in New Mexico and is headed back to the Dakotas. So congratulations to Fred on this. I look forward to meeting him. I don't, I don't know if he was at the meeting this week or not. If he was, I didn't get a chance to meet him. And if he was, okay. I'm sorry, Fred, that I didn't get a chance to meet you. But if, uh, if you weren't there, then maybe, you know, soon at the executive committee meetings or at the annual meeting, we'll get to meet and uh, catch up. So that'll be neat. Very cool. Uh, and then finally, Amy, some sad news. William R. O'Brien, many, uh, many people know Bill O'Brien and his wife, Delana O'Brien, who was a WMU exec. He passed away this past week at age 86. He served with a foreign mission board. Uh, during his career, was uh, really known for his mission service. Yes, so he had been a missionary to Indonesia and then was the retired executive vice president of uh, the Southern Baptist Foreign Mission Board, but of course what we know as the International Mission Board. Um, Todd Lafferty had a quote in the story that he was a creative visionary and an out-of-the-box thinker who led others to do the same. Um, it talks about a student missions conference, Mission 90, talking about the great need to reach the Muslim world with the gospel and how that really affected Todd Lafferty's own call, you know, and so he's now the executive vice president and seeing how Bill O'Brien had that impact on his life and in his calling to missions as well. There's an obituary that's in Baptist Press. It was uh, posted earlier this week, but just a really beautiful tribute to him. Absolutely, Amy, and uh, our prayers go out to the O'Briens and, and all of those in the, the WMU and the IMB field who knew him. So I know he was a well-known name. I, I don't believe I ever met him, but that was a name that I knew uh, because of my time at WMU and because of, of his his time at the IMB. So uh, our thoughts and prayers out to the O'Brien family. That's going to do it for our news this week, Amy, and bring us to my favorite part of the week, this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds. All right. So this was just something I found and noticed from this week. I was actually looking to see if there were any cool Valentine stories, things like that. I, I didn't see a ton. What I did see from Baptist Press in 1961 was um, a story kind of buried down that says uh, SBC name change urged by Northern pastors. And it was coming out of uh, the stories coming out of Wisconsin. And it I've was heard talking- this before, Amy. Have I done it here before? No, but no. Okay. <laughs> this this is just one of those things that always oh, comes up. I see what you're saying. Yes, it always comes up. 
So it talks about how the growth of Southern Baptist churches in the North could be improved if the denomination would change its name. And uh, that in the minds of many residents up there, that the term Southern tended to kind of isolate the denomination geographically when actually the term identifies distinctive theological beliefs. That's that's kind of how they were, were processing it. So this was the sixth annual pastor's retreat where it came up from the Wisconsin-Minnesota Baptist Association, um, which at that time was affiliated with the Baptist General Convention of Texas. So it was like yeah. a local association. Yeah, they, they helped start it, you know? yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You remember when I went up there to the BGCT? Yes. Meeting, yes. They were there. The, the Minnesota, Wisconsin people were there handing out cheese. Yes, that's right. So, so what they were talking about was this was this pioneer area that would be easier without the Southern label because the word Southern, where they were trying to, to do, was not working very well. Uh, it says they didn't offer any definite name suggestion. They didn't make any plans to petition for a name change, but they just said they hoped it would be considered. So I think it's interesting because this is something that seems to come up every now and then, you know, and the last time it was a really big conversation was in 2012, I believe, in when we were in New Orleans. And even at that, you know, it was sort of discussed about taking on kind of a an alternate name or you know sort of a secondary name great commission baptists but that really since 2012 we've not seen much of a shift but what's interesting is you know that comes up and people want to talk about a name change but the reality is it is not a new conversation it not has at all. it is something we have talked about over and over and over again and we did uh in 1961 this week in SBC history yeah you know what would have been a great valentine's day story for us to cover, but we've already covered it here. What? Was the Singles Club at First Baptist Dallas. Yes. Or the Dallas Baptist Association. I think yes. I don't think it was First Baptist. I remember it was the, that one. The Baptist Association. Yes. Now there yeah, was, was there was, was one. There was one in, in eighty nine. I could give you a bonus. A bonus oh. this week in SBC history. In eighty nine there was the top story in Baptist Press was an engagement announcement between the executive director of the Women's Missionary Union, Carolyn Weatherford. Yes. And Crumpler. Southern Baptist pastor, Joe Crumpler, from yeah. Mount Carmel in Cincinnati. So the WMU director announced her engagement Valentine's Week in 1989. Well, so That's really cool. Yeah, really that's cool. kind of cool. It says, right. it, says, it says the announcement ends years of speculation about what may be the most closely watched romance in the Southern Baptist Convention. That oh, that's a, awkward. That was a sentence in the that's Baptist press awkward. story. It is. <laughs> I don't even know how to talk. So maybe this is actually an even more interesting this weekend. My bonus, <laughs> my bonus story, my actual Valentine story is kind of more interesting. <laughs> wow. But yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow. I have no idea what that means there. Uh, I but know. I'm sure maybe one of our listeners may may know and can share that with us. So. Right. Wow. Well, said so they they'd, they'd been dating for five years, so everyone was waiting for them to get okay. married. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that, that that explains a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. All right. Well, that brings us to our resources of the week. Amy, rescue this thing. Uh, your resource of the week is my resource is something that I got with some Christmas money, and uh, will be no surprise to you that I would get this. It is a new box set by the Library of America on the collected essays of Wendell Berry from 1969 to 2017. It's called What I Stand On. 
and um, it's pretty great. Okay. I have it. I have it. It's in a nice box. I have it sitting on my piano. Um, I know we've got some Wendell Berry fans among listeners because yeah. I always connect. But it's great. Now I have a lot of the books that these essays are in because people, you know, he writes fiction essays and poetry and most people you know i always, i usually hear of a lot of people who love the fiction or poetry the best uh, but i'm the essays are my favorite and so this is a really beautiful box set that just kind of pulls them all together so i'm going to throw the link in there uh for my fellow wendell berry fans to check yes. out for the for the highbrow listeners of spc this week what I don't think no. I've ever read anything by Wendell Berry, honestly. Jonathan. Is that is that bad? Are you going to unfriend me now? Are you going to block well, me on I Twitter? Well, I think you should. I think you should read something of okay. his. Well, you're going to yes. have to tell me what to, where, like, what's my Wendell Berry starter kick. Well, the, the Jefferson lecture that he did a few years ago, that's my favorite essay. Of course it would be your favorite. Right. Yes. Because you're, you're the Jeffersonian one here in the group. Yes. Okay. Uh, my resource of the week, not really a resource as much as a recommendation, but the Saguaro National Park. I, I mentioned it at the top of the show, Amy. Uh, yes. You're a big National Park fan. I know that. And this is one that I, I didn't know existed, didn't know it was a thing, but I, I likened it to as we were driving around, driving through it. Uh, I told George Schroeder, who was with me on this trip, I told him, this is like the desert version of the Great Smoky Mountain National Park because there was like a, a little drive, uh, you know, a little trail that you kind of like one way trail that was a loop. Right. It was, it was like the desert version of Cade's Cove. And you went Very around cool. a, a big mountain, a big peak kind of thing. And there's cactus everywhere, all kind of different types of cactus. And they have these out, these overlooks and everything. I'll put a couple of pictures up on my Instagram later today. Uh, but it, it was, it was just a really, really neat thing. And, and I, I highly recommend national parks, by the way. I know Absolutely. you're a big national park fan. Absolutely. So we, we've talked about that, I think, on the podcast before. So my resource of the week is an actual national park. So if you're ever in South Arizona, Southern Arizona, Tucson, that area, be sure to check it out because there's just nothing like that. Those, those cacti, the, the, the saguaro cactus, they only grow in the Sonoran Desert down there in northern Mexico, southern Arizona. So that's the only place you will find those. It's like your traditional cactus with the arms and everything like that. Yeah. So yeah. what you, you know, little Pipe emoji. Pipe organ cactus. The, okay. I, I got gotcha. you. Whatever. Yeah. I, I don't understand that, but okay. The one that the emoji looks like that you right. use. You, you don't understand. About. Pipe organ cactus. It's like pipes, like a pipe organ. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll take your word for it. Okay. So yeah. Anyway. Check that out. It's it's a really neat place because you're just you're just surrounded by this terrain right. and you just wonder how did anybody ever like make it through this area? Like how did you go through this instead of around it? Because even on horseback or something like that, you know, back in the day and you know, whenever people were settling out that way, or even when Native Americans lived there, and you know that was on Native American land. Like how did they get through that area? Because the the terrain is so rough, so rugged. And really just dangerous with snakes and cactus. And it, you just, it's not like you could just walk through a trail. I mean, there was no trails at one point, but it, right. it's just, just fascinating. So really neat. Very cool. Well, I'll have to, I've not been to that one park, so I'll have yes. to check it out. So we'll just picture Cade's Cove. But with, with cactus. A lot of cactus. Yeah. Right. And a right. lot of rock. Right. So, I understand. Yes. 
lot of different types of cactus too. I didn't know there were so many types of cacti. All right. Well, that, that's our show this week. Uh, going to be a busy week next week, Amy, the executive committee meeting here in Nashville. You're headed to town for that as well. And we're going to have a huge recap of a lot of things, I'm guessing, next week. So be sure to follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, at the Executive Committee, as well as Baptist Press and SBC This Week. We'll have a lot of information on those social channels. Uh, there's no live stream of the event, but we will be live tweeting everything that goes on from the plenary sessions at the Executive Committee meeting. So, Amy, I'll see you next week. See you next week.